Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1167. Early to bed, early to rise, work like hell, and advertise. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stephen Becker. Stephen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. I'm ready to go. I'm raring to go. All right. Very cool. You'll know why, because Stephen's involved with some pretty cool fast cars. Stephen Becker is the founder of Becker Auto Group in Sugar Hill, Georgia. He provides a variety of automotive services, including auction services, buying and selling of collector cars, valuations, appraisals, and inspections. He works side-by-side with the Shelby American Automobile Club registrars to ensure authenticity and is one of the most renowned Shelby authorities in the world. He's dealt with over a 1,000 GT350s, FT500s, and FT500KR Mustangs, and has over 35 years of experience in the automotive sector. Stephen was a business partner with a guy you might know, Carol Shelby, from 1977 until Carol passed away in 2012. You'll find a spectacular collection of cars for sale on his website, including many makes, models, and marks, beyond just Mustangs and Fords. So, Stephen, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little more about your career, your business, and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, absolutely. First of all, Mark, I want to thank you very much for inviting me on your show. You're welcome. Uh, it's, a, it's a privilege. I've watched several of your shows, um, mostly with Gary Patterson and the Shelby, you know, Shelby American and whatnot. But oh, I've yeah. watched other ones as well. And uh, I'm most impressed and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here today. Thank well, you. thank you. It's my honor. My honor. Tell us a little bit about you. And uh, when I tried to condense your bio to a short intro, I was like, how am I going to do this? I mean, this guy's been doing stuff for so long. Well, let me let me tell you my story. This is this is really funny. When I was 10 years old in 1977, I saw a Hot Rod magazine on, uh, on the newsstands, and it had a, a Shelby Mustang on it that had been flared and flames and, you know, side exhaust pipes and everything you could do to a car in the 1970s. And it said, where is Carol Shelby? And they wrote a really cool article in there, and it's talked about what Carol's been doing since 1970. Most of it was revolved around his game ranch in, in, in South Africa that he held and in various different business uh, things that he did. And in the very back of it, it actually gave his address in Gardena, California, and it said, if you want to write Shelby and thank him for all that he did in the 60s, drop him a line. I went ahead and I dropped him a line. And several weeks later, he dropped me one back. He dropped me a second one. And we went back to back, back and forth. By the fourth one, I said to him, I said, Carol, I, I said, I know where a lot of your cars are from the 1960s. And I said, I think there's an opportunity there to purchase cars and restore them, put them in your name, send them to California, let you do what you need to do with them. And then we'll, 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 uh, we'll sell them and we'll split the profit. And his next letter to me was, sounds outstanding. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to work. <laughs> yeah. Over that course of the first year or so, 
uh, first two years, actually, uh, we had never spoken on the phone. We had never met in person. Um, Carol would send me a check. I'd buy a car uh, after I showed him what it was, you know, send him pictures and everything. And of course, obviously, this is all done by U.S. mail. Wow. Finally, when I was 12 years old, it was a a Thursday night. It was nine o'clock. I was born and raised down in Winter Park, Florida. And my dad's a doctor. And he calls up the house at nine o'clock on a Thursday night. And he goes, uh, hey, doc, he said, it's uh, Carol Shelby. And my dad said, okay, hi, how are you doing, Carol? Because my dad could care less about Carol. <laughs> yeah, whoever. Doctor, you know, A to B, that's how I want to get there. I don't care if it's in it. You know, I don't care what it's in. He said, I wanted to call because Stephen had requested a check for $30,000 for a uh, 65 GT350R model. And he said, that's a whole lot of money. He said, we cut those cars up. We sold them off after we won all those races. We were selling them off for three grand a piece. We couldn't give them away. So my dad and Carol had a conversation for a few minutes. And then my dad said to Carol, he said, um, I don't know where in the world you are right now, Carol, uh, but he said, uh, it's nine o'clock on a Thursday night here and Stephen's already gone to bed. He's got to get up in the morning and go to school. <laughs> so Carol started, you know, c- continuing to talk and whatnot. And he said, well, he said, you know, what university is Stephen at? Oh, gosh. My dad just froze and just said, you know, Carol, he just said it. Just matter of fact, he said, you know, Carol, he goes, that's pretty good. He said, but we're having trouble getting Stephen through the sixth grade. <laughs> and my dad said, you could have heard a pin drop. And back then that was the commercial back then everything was under overseas and everything. And, you know, you heard, you know, a 30 second delay and Carol came on and he goes, you mean to tell me I've been dealing with a sixth grader for the last two and a half years. And he said, well, actually Carol, when you started, you were dealing with a, with, with a fourth grader. Oh my gosh. Carol, Carol was beside himself. And he said, it makes absolute sense now. He said, I get these things. I get these balance sheets on these cars. And and he said, he'll take a quarter for a Dr. Pepper and he won't charge me half of it and this, that, or the other and M&Ms or whatever the case may be. He goes, God dang it. This makes exact absolute sense. He said, he's 12 years old. So at the end of the conversation, Carol said to my dad, he said, he said, he said, doc, he said, you tell Stephen that check will be in the mail next week. And he said, you tell him to study hard, work hard. And he said, you tell him just to keep right on rolling. Wow. That car sold for $1.6 million about four years ago. So, um, of course, we didn't sell it for anywhere near that. We paid 30 and doubled our money and thought we were kings. Um, but that is how the relationship with Carol actually started. You know, that I, I don't even know where to go from here with that story. That That just is absolutely incredible. I love the fact that you at such a young age were such an entrepreneur and a go-getter. But the fact that Carol Shelby, once he the pin dropped and he went, what? <laughs> then he went, what the heck? This kid knows what he's doing. So we're just going to keep doing it. Oh my gosh. It's been very, very ironic. Our relationship started with a phone call and it ended with a phone call prior to him going into the hospital for the last time. Uh, they were taking away his big black book that he had carried with him for 50 years and his cell phone because he was deteriorating. And they gave him an hour or so to make some phone calls. And I was the recipient of that phone call. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there to take it. I'm going to share with you so you can share if you'd like with the listeners. I have the voicemail from 2012. Oh, my gosh. And it talks about what a pain in the ass I am and that he really misses me and that he hopes everything's going well and he'll see me around. And, you know, the one thing about Carol was he never thought he was going to die. He, he was the oldest and longest triple organ transplant recipient in the world. Heart in 89. One of his sons gave him a kidney in like 95. He said, you know, I mean, just absolutely insane. You know, either you want to call it stroke of a luck or a really bad thing, depending on how you look at it. I have I have his last words to me saved. And wow. within 
a couple of weeks after he was dead. Incredible. Got goosebumps. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. What a life. What an experience. Yep. Uh, what an incredible story. Well, listeners, listen, we're going to put this into the show here. Boy, that is really special. Really special. I can't even imagine. I was fortunate enough to meet him a few times. I had a Mustang for a while. He signed the the glove box. I carried that glove box all over Laguna Seca and got stood in a long line and had him sign that and put it on the car. Absolutely. Yeah. He very would sign things until he, his hands were, were, were bloody. We used to just, we used to mess with him all the time. I'd send him hundreds of owner's manuals and he'd call me up screaming, God damn it, Becker. Why, why, why? And I'll, I'll tell you what, he'd scream and yell and everything else. But a couple of weeks later, I'd get a hundred owner's manuals signed by him. Yeah, no doubt. And I just have them today. And I, I just think it's amazing what he did. Well, one of the things that he did for those listeners who don't know is he was very big champion of helping kids with medical issues. And if you send him stuff, he signed anything for 10 bucks and that 10 bucks went right to the children's hospital to help with heart disease for kids and so forth. And I'm sure he signed a million things in his life. So uh, I'm sure <laughs> he did. And, and toward the end, he was donating large amounts of uh, some of his personal assets and they would auction them off. And uh, all that money would go directly to the uh, Carol Shelby uh, Children's Heart Fund. Uh, very, very cool. That was something very close to him. Becker, this is Shelby. Uh, I hadn't uh, hadn't talked to you in a while. You drive me crazy sometimes, but uh, uh, I miss talking to you once in a while, and I just wanted to see how things are going for you. You take care. Wow, what a special talk here. Well, very nice. Well, the first thing I always like to ask my guests is for a success quote or a mantra. Is there one in your life that has great meaning for you? Yeah, you know what? Ted Turner from CNN fame once said on a commercial, uh, not on a commercial, but in an interview back in the late 70s, early to bed, early to rise, work like hell and advertise. That has stuck with me for whatever, whatever, you know, most people say, oh, you know, get up in the morning, do this or do that or, you know, blah, blah, blah. My, my thing is just about the fact that I was basically born into this and it's just it has never left. And, you know, you look back on three, three and a half decades uh, of career and and uh, the amount of people I've met and the friends that I've made and, and people's lives that I've changed with the cars what I do. And, and the fact that, you know, I'm proud to say that 99% of the people that I deal with end up becoming my friends after the deal's over. And, and so it's really, really a, a beautiful thing. It's really cool. Yeah. So all you got to do is work hard. That's it. <laughs> just, and smart, but uh, just work hard. Well, would you share a story? And maybe you kind of already did. I always ask my guests to share a story that instigated their personal passion for cars, that moment when they knew you were, were a car guy. You talked about, I mean, my gosh, working with Carol Shelby at nine 10, 11, 12 years old, just absolutely fantastic. I mean, is that the, the answer to that question there? I think that I think that um, that is pretty much the answer to the question. My, my father is not a car guy, 88 years old today. He still doesn't care what he drives. He wasn't a car guy. My mom wasn't a car person, uh, my brother, sister, et cetera. Um, I think what did it for me was my dad in, in 1972 bought and ordered a, a 1972 Mustang, just a regular coupe, one of a hundred million made. And I always had that car in my sights when I was 16 years old. I always wanted that car. And I, I had to end up buying it from him because my grades weren't very good. I didn't follow Carol's advice very well. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was it was just kind of a self-taught thing. I mean, if I had not been in that newsstand that day and that magazine wasn't standing there, we would not be talking today because it would just be another issue. 
to be embraced the way that I've been embraced, be it a, a Donald Farr from Mustang Monthly or, uh, you know, uh, Craig Jackson or Steve Davis from Barrett Jackson, you know, all these guys take me in and they just they love what I do because the energy is, that, I, that I give off is just contagious. I'm the chief cheerleader. I'm the guy that gets it done. I am uh, the cook, bottle washer and, and, you know, whatever, whatever I, I run the restaurant, so to speak. Very, very cool. Well, kids out there listening, yeah, it's all it takes. Just find what you're passionate about and work really hard in it. And uh, pay attention, meet people, network, treat people the right way, and uh, things will go your way eventually, I promise you. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down because you've been an entrepreneur your whole life. And no doubt that's been fraught with a few times that you maybe faced a challenge or two or even a big failure. But these stories are important because they have valuable learning lessons if you pay attention and move forward. So walk us through one of yours. I think probably one of the biggest obstacles for me was not initially completing high school. I was just so far ahead of everybody else. I was so far ahead of the curve as far as I was already an entrepreneur. I was making more money in one month than most teachers that were teaching me, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade made in a year. Um, I eventually went back and, and, and got my my diploma and then and then went to uh, college for a bit. But then I was in college. I was at Mercer University down in Macon, Georgia, and I was listening to economic professors tell me how one day I was going to be great, how one day I was going to make money, how one day I was going to sit at a desk and this side or the other. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't working either. Because meanwhile, I'm buying and selling cars in my dorm room, you know, back in 1987 and eight, and the market's starting to come back up again. So I think that if I had to think of something that I regret is probably not not originally following through with the education. These days, people, everything is instant. Everything is on the phone. Everything is email and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and, and texting. And, and there is hard work and there's a lot of hard work that has to be done. And you can't you can't do it with a computer. You have to do it within yourself. You have to do it. You have to have that knowledge. Uh, maybe not like the way you and I did when we were in high school and college. You know, it meant it meant a lot more to have that degree hanging on the back of the wall. But uh, you still have to have the basic principles in order to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think that's very well said. And we hear that these days. A lot of kids going to college, uh, getting into deep debt to get a degree of some kind that really doesn't have much meaning. And, and I think there are a lot of other opportunities days, but definitely high school. Stay in school no matter what. I mean, you may feel like you're not learning anything, but you are picking up some basics about life and basics about history and things like that. And you know what? You can make school better than it is. It depends on how involved you get with it. Um, so listen to Stephen, but at the same time, don't be afraid to get out there and yeah. Call Elon Musk when you're nine years old and start reselling Teslas. <laughs> I would be willing to bet you that Elon Musk doesn't receive very many letters from nine-year-olds. You I know? was thinking that the other day. I mean, you know, seriously, I mean, you think about these people, you think about, um, you know, Byron Trump up there in the White House, he's 12 or 13 years old. How many, how many people, how many kids that are 12 or 13, write him a letter and just say, hey, man, I think it's awesome that you're up there. If I ever stop by the White House, can I come in and say hello? I mean, they probably get invited in. Yeah. Because if you don't ask, you don't get. The, the other thing is, is that you, you crawl before you walk and you walk before you run. Yep. And there's no magical formula to that. There's no you know textbook secret that's going to cost you a million dollars to figure that out. Yeah. And, you know, the other little secret you, you dropped here, Stephen, is write letters because not too many people write letters these days. You know, I'm big on thank you notes. I send all my guests thank you notes. I like to write things to people and uh, write Byron a letter. You, you might just get a bite of the White House. Or right, right, Elon Musk, you might get invited to visit a factory. You just never know. You don't know. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, reach out. Let's shift gears and talk about a big aha moment in your career. I would assume you've had a bunch of these 
as you move through the things that you do. But is there one that you'd like to share that really stands out? I think one of the aha moments was probably when Carol asked me to help him clean up the Cobra dealer network in the mid uh, 2000s. They were selling and still do today the CSX Shelby Cobra, which is a component car, which means it has everything but a drivetrain. And he had a number of dealers out there that what we were what I would refer to as FOC, which are friends of Carol's. So these guys would go and hang a shingle outside that says Shelby American. They're a factory authorized Shelby American dealer. Uh, but, you know, they, they're a million years old. They're as old as Carol, if not older. And, they, you know, they're doing it just to have conversation and whatnot. And we were really able to, uh, working with Gary Patterson and working with, you know, Carol and, and some of the other folks there, we were really able to tighten that dealer network up and actually make it, make it so profitable that they started selling factory direct. So I probably talked myself out of a dealership at that point because would you rather buy a car from me or would you rather go to the factory and, and, and watch it coming off the line and get it? But at the same time, it just goes to show you how great it was to be able to take something that Carol had and be able to, to launch it. Yeah, very, very cool. And it, it is such a great network of people now. It's very professional. You know, when you buy a car, it's going to be real and right. And I tell you, I just, uh, as we record this, I just got back last week from SEMA. The show is going to air three weeks from now, but Shelby, I mean, you walk through the Ford display, the name Shelby is right on the hood of a big truck of a, of a Mustang. I mean, it's everywhere. This guy's legacy will live forever. Guaranteed. It'll live forever. I was with Carol. Uh, they actually threw me out of the office when uh, Etzel Ford and a couple of the other Ford uh, reps, uh, uh, the guy, Mark, whatever his name was, that was the president at the time, when he went in there and he actually signed everything back over to Ford back in 2009 or 10 so that he could live on in what he calls perpetuity with Ford. <laughs> so you will always see a Shelby Mustang. You will always see a, a GT500. There are just certain things that he wanted to give back to Ford, including, I believe, the Cobra name, which they bitterly fought over. You know, he did that because he knew that that was that could be his infamy is that the, the Shelby name is as identifiable as the Ford product itself. Yeah, it's fantastic. Really, really cool. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car, the first car that you got. Now, that's nine years old. You're buying Shelby's. So we're going to go way back here, I think. But. The first car, and maybe share a story you have about that that first flip, I guess we should say. I think that probably when you know I got caught at 13 driving my dad's Mustang that I really thought I was going to get when I was 16. And you know that car was red, white interior, and it had a white vinyl top, and it was just a little 302, you know, automatic two barrel and whatnot. And that was just the car. That was the car. Of my, you know, that's that's what I was cutting my teeth on and everything. And um, I think that was probably the most special car, at least coming up that I was involved with. The other one was probably in 2006 when Carol and I, uh, when Carol decided to go ahead and sell off his original owner that he bought brand new red 69 GT500 convertible at Bear Jackson. And he looked to me to have it restored, which I used a, a gentleman, Jim Coles up in uh, Wisconsin, who's a fantastic Shelby restorer. And uh, we went and we took it to Bear Jackson and uh, it, it hit a world record 850,000, approximately $850,000. And people were just falling out. I mean, they were, and Carol and I were just looking at each other from across the stage. And it was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe that car just sold for that much money. And that was what year? And that was 2008, I believe, either eight or nine. Okay, 10 years it, ago. So, yeah. 10 years, and it's still a benchmark today. There has not been another, you know, Shelby Mustang convertible that I'm aware of, 68, 69, or 70, that's ever sold for, you know, $750,000 plus, you know, even concept cars that they found. 
Yeah. Wow. So it was. A, I didn't sleep that night. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe what we just did." <laughs> I know. It's. It's just. Wow. That. Yeah. Blows me away too. Well, how about seller's remorse? Now, I. Do you even know how many cars you've sold over your lifetime? In 2010, Carol was the honoree at the Pebble Beach and in, in Monterey, and he and I sat there on the golf course, and they had assembled the 20 most important Shelby branded automobiles in a you know in a circle on the 18th tee. And Craig Jackson had a car in there. Jay Leno had a car in there. I had a car in there. I had a, a 67 uh, GT500 that I bought from the original owner that had 9,000 original miles on it. Wow. Um, Carol's first Cobra, you know, car, you know, CSX 2000 was in there. And he and I started talking about it. We were just kind of sitting there shooting the crap. And we figured that between 1977 and 2010, that, that he and I had bought and sold and touched over 3,500 of the original 16,000 or so Shelby Mustangs and Cobras that he built back in the 1960s. Wow. There were times we were doing 25 and 30 cars a month. I placed an ad. This is how I did it too. In 1977, when he and I decided to do this, I placed a little tiny $3 print ad in Hemmings Motor News, which at the time had almost no dealers. It had no auction information. It just had, you know, it was the phone book. It was the Bible, as they called it. And I would put a thing in there and I would say, hey, I'm looking to buy Shelby Mustangs. And I got I, I thought I was going to find one or two or whatever. And in the first month, I had 25 people contacting me by phone, telling me of different cars that either they owned or their cousin owned or their neighbor owned or whatever the fact may be. And still up to this day, people call me and I still pay a, a handsome bird dog fee. And we're still finding cars. Wow. You know, as far as ever going back and looking and, and seeing how many cars, you know, it, it, it would it would. It, I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It really is insane. But I look at that as twofold. I look at it as a business and entrepreneurial decision and investment decision. And I also look at it as saving history because I truly believe that had I not figured out and found most of these cars or whatever the case may be, that there's a chance that those cars would not be in existence today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. This might be a tough one. I like to ask guests about seller's remorse for a guy that sold thousands and thousands of cars. Is there any way to think about one car you let go that you shouldn't have? And you and I, I want to take money out of this because that just muddies yeah, no, up the water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that um, Carol and I had the opportunity back in the early 2000s to purchase the 1967 GT500 concept car convertible. And it was the only one made. And at the time it was at a dealer and they were going to auction it off up in, up in, uh, in Illinois. And we had the chance to buy the car for pennies on the dollar. It was wrong. It was totally wrong, wrong, this, wrong, that, but it was real and it was there and it was all together and everything came together. And uh, we passed on it because Carol and I just couldn't put our arms around it. And it ended up in a, in a gentleman's collection in Florida who's a great, great guy. Maybe you've interviewed him, Brian Stiles. And if you haven't, you got to. And, uh, and it is being taken care of like no other car in the world. And that is probably a car, and that's probably a million and a half, $2 million car. And that's probably a car that uh, we had a regret about not picking up and doing as far as purchasing goes. Yeah, well... There's always those ones that get away. In your life, there's probably been many, 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 many. Let's talk about what has you excited and fired up today. What are you doing these days, Stephen, that has you really excited and getting you jumping out of bed as if you haven't been excited your whole career? 
<laughs> I think that um, meeting David O'Hare, who you who you know from Blockchaser, uh, and speaking with him and having him set up my entire digital platform, including my website and, and everything else, I think that's been a, a tremendous help and blessing. I am not of the tech age. Uh, we currently, you and I are currently working on uh, uh, my son, my 16-year-old son's account <laughs> yes. because I couldn't even figure out how to download and install that. I think that uh, that has me fired up quite a bit. It's keeping me very, very busy. You know, right now we're finding, and you've probably seen this, we're seeing a huge turn in ownership because we do have, you know, older people are getting older. People are dying. Uh, they're selling collections and estates off. So one of the things that I've been called into a tremendous amount is come in and liquidate our estate. Usually it's by the guy who's still alive because he's like, my kids don't want this stuff. My, my wife doesn't want it. I don't want them to get ripped off if I die and there's 25 cars that are worth X amount of dollars. So I'm brought into a lot of estate deals, a lot of private trust deals where people are looking to either evaluate or, or more so you know, sell their cars uh, and make sure they make it to, the good, to, to a good next home. Nice. That's very nice. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot of need for that uh, these days. And as our generation does age out, yeah, you don't want to leave a giant collection to a family that has no idea. Uh, <laughs> and of course, after you've passed and your wife goes, what? <laughs> you paid exactly what? Right. You know, no <laughs> idea whatsoever where the heck you got that car from and no idea what it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very cool. Well, great, great service. Well, tomorrow, if you woke up, Stephen, and you were a car parked in a garage, mm. you'd manifest it into a vehicle. Mm -hmm. And this isn't what you want to be. It's how you perceive yourself, because we all want to be a sexy Ferrari Formula One car or something, yep, but yep, yep, uh, yep. some of us are not. So what would you be and why? Well, it's in my garage now. Okay. And in, in 2005, I was given the opportunity. Carol got, got me two spots to buy four GTs. So I bought two Ford GTs, brand new in 05. I bought a, a, a white blue stripe and I bought a red white stripe. And I still have the red white stripe car today. Just turned 7,000 miles. Wow. You know, red white stripe, all four options. You know, obviously the Ford GT needs no introduction or description. And it's just a car I get in and it's just like, you know what? This is yesteryears. There's no nanny controls, no ABS, no traction control. I mean, Ford pulled all the plugs on this car in order to get this thing built before the government got a hold of it. And I sit in that car and sometimes I just sit there and I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm in as much awe about that car as the day I picked it up when Ford delivered it to me. They're spectacular. I've had the pleasure of driving one. And yeah, they are raw. Uh, you got to be careful in that car. It can get you in trouble really, really quick <laughs> with that. There used to be, when they first came out with those cars in 05 and 06, there was a guy that had a website called wreckedfordgt.com. Oh, gosh. I swear. And, you know, they're, they're saying out of the 4,200 or so that were built in 05 and 06, there's probably less than 2,000 left. Mm. And when they finished production, they built an extra 175 frames. And those 175 frames were bought up within 90 days of the end of production of that car. <laughs> and there used to be, you know, I mean, like you said, there's nothing, you know, you'd stomp on that car and that rear end would go and, and you'd go up a, a tree or in a ditch or, you know, <laughs> wherever you're going to go. And, and it still remains true to this day. And uh, I, I very careful with it. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, you really need to be without traction control. It's just got, and it's not to say the car doesn't handle well. It's just that the drivers don't know how to drive. It's a lot like Cobras and even replica Cobras or continuation Cobras. Um, do not toss the keys to your buddy because he'll crash it. 
No. And I've seen that time and time again. And I've also with the with the continuation, the CSX continuation cars, you know, I've noticed that people want to know they want to have bigger horsepower. I want a 750 horsepower motor. I'm like, dude, this car weighs 2200 pounds. You weigh 180. And I said, you know, all you're going to do is be a, a, a greasy spot on the highway. I said, this isn't going to work for you. This isn't going to go anywhere. You can, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got the biggest muscles. You know, I've got 850 versus your little 500 under the hood of this car. And it's like, dude, there is no difference. You can't use 500 horsepower in a, in a CSX car. You certainly can't use 850. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of driving those and, and even the reproduction uh, or continuation of the GT40s and so cars. You've got to be very careful in those vehicles, but they are absolutely, it's a, it's a trip, a time warp back in time. Uh, to drive those if you're not fortunate enough or have the, the wallet big enough to have a real one in your garage. So very, very cool. Well, Stephen, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage. It's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Stephen, we are back and we're up to the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You know, Carol was always, I always asked Carol, what was his favorite car? And he said the next one. <laughs> yeah. So, He'd always have that mentality. And, you know, obviously that was the businessman in him as well. But I mean, I, you know, as far as advice goes, I think that um, you, you, I think if I had to give automotive advice, buy the very best that you can with the money that you can uh, so that you, you know, you, you don't have to come from the bottom up and you can actually enjoy your car. Yeah. You know, I think that that and make sure it's real. 
Yes. There's just so <laughs> many fake muscle cars and fake everything else. Just, you know, make sure you cover your butt. Yeah, absolutely. Hire somebody like Steven Becker to take a look at your vehicle so you know what you're buying. If Especially if it's a high-end collector car, it's so important because there's a lot of stuff out there that's not real. Now, how about a personal habit? Is there one of yours you'd like to share that you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? Yeah, I still just use file folders and throw them on my desk. Uh, <laughs> and each deal gets its own file folder, kind of like the old days. You know, that has worked very well for me. I've had my bookkeeper, I've had my office manager, I've had everybody and their brother try to, my kids try to turn me on to electronic. You know, you can file everything here, dad. You can do everything here. You can put it all in a PDF, this, that, or the other. But I am the meat and potatoes. I want to see the deal. I want to see the paperwork. I want to see everything in front of me so that I can make an accurate decision on, on whatever I'm looking at. Yeah, I know. It's a tough thing to transition to. I've, I've been able to do it because I have to with what I do, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Now, how about a yeah. resource? There are lots of great resources. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? Well, I think that SAC.com, which is the Shelby American Automobile Club uh, forum, SACforum.com, is an independent of the Shelby American Automobile Club run chat board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's lots of people that are on there. There's lots of people that come for questions. There's a lot of newbies and stuff and myself and several other uh, Shelby folks, uh, old timers get on there and talk to these folks. And it's, and it's really a lot of fun to educate them, to answer every question. I, I tell, I tell my, my, anybody that calls me, I say, look, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's, that's kind of, you know, the, that is, that is the God's honest truth. That's a good resource for people that are interested in getting into it. Cool. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and you could sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? John DeLorean. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you and I grew up around John DeLorean. You and I grew up with the Back to the Futures and everything and how they kind of heckled them and made fun of them. And now all of a sudden, 30 years later, they're building new ones. Uh, so <laughs> there is a complete 180 degree turnaround. Yeah. I think he was brilliant um, from everything I've read, you know, and seen and, and, and whatnot, which I have for, for decades with him. I mean, he put out books and everything. And I think that, you know, he got caught in his own clutches with his cocaine bust and everything trying to finance his car company. But I, at the end, he was willing to go to the dang edge of the earth in order to to make his dream a reality. Yeah, yeah. Incredible guy. And it's really sad that his legacy is tied up with that drug issue that, that happened. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah, and, it's, and you can imagine if that happened today with all the social media and stuff, yeah. he'd, he'd, he'd be dead in the water within five minutes. Yeah. And, you know, that didn't that didn't happen back then, but it certainly did put a damper on him ever being able to do anything in the automotive industry again. Yeah. Yeah. It was really sad. How about a book? Is there a book that you would recommend to our listeners that you've enjoyed reading? I don't read a whole lot of books, which is a downfall. You always read about entrepreneurs and successful people that are always reading in this out of the other. But I'm more articulating. I'm more talking to people and whatnot. That's that's kind of how I roll. My uncle uh, was William E. Simon. It was Secretary of the Treasury under uh, Presidents Nixon and President Ford. Wow. And he wrote a book called A Time for Truth, and then he wrote one called A Time for Action. And it is an exact direct reflection of everything we see happening in the United States today. And he wrote those books in the uh, late 1970s after uh, he got out of government. And uh, those were really, really good books. Wow. I, you know, I'll have to look that up. I'm, uh, it's a book that's not been recommended here. He was he he went on to be he was an entrepreneur before he went in and became a secretary of the treasury and he was an entrepreneur when he got out and he was a billionaire and he was he was he was brilliant and he would buy and sell companies just like I buy and sell cars wow. and 
know, he'd buy a company for a hundred million and sell it the next day for 200 million. And, and, you know, <laughs> back, back in the late seventies, early eighties, that's what these people were doing with these leverage buyouts. And yeah. he was the, he was one of the Kings. Wow. Amazing. I'll, I'll let you know. Also, Stephen, I had a great guest on the show since you love or like, I should say, love might be a strong word, but, uh, uh, John DeLorean, uh, Barry Wills was a guest on my show. He worked with John DeLorean from the day he started his company, and he was literally the last guy to turn the lights out. He had to liquidate the business. And uh, it's a book called John Z and the DeLorean and Me. It's a great book. I th- yeah, I think you'd really enjoy it. And it's an insider's look at that that whole legacy that was the DeLorean car company. And he was the guy. He was right there, right next to him, and literally sold off all the parts and pieces and walked out the door and flipped the lights off when that whole thing fell apart. So uh, we'll put links to both these books on Stephen Becker's show notes page on the Carsia website. Just go to Carsia.com. Click on well, Carsia.com and type in, I should say, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Becker, B-E-C-K-E-R, and Hitch Page will pop up with all these cool links. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy, especially for a guy like you. Very interested to see how you answer this. Today, I'm going to buy you any car in the world, collector car, but there are some rules. This one you got to keep. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other stuff with. I know hard for you. You've got to drive it. No garage queens here, but money is no object. So what can I buy you today? Oh, my gosh. I have been blessed with the ability to own some of the some of the best supercars, some of the best, you know, collector and muscle cars in the world and uh, either own them or buy and sell them. And I feel like I own them. They, they feel like my children sometime. <laughs> the one car that comes to mind is I have always been fascinated by the Plymouth Superbird. Oh, and my wife has told me and all my Shelby people and all my collector people told me that if I buy one of those, they're going to kill me. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I like the fact that there's a six and a half foot wing or whatever's on the back and you could hang laundry from it. But I like the fact that just somebody had the stones back then to go and put that car together. Ugly nose, ugly rear end, huge wing, you know, big old car that just went straight and didn't do much else. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of like the Ford did with the Boss 429. Um, they knew that new regulations were coming in. They knew the government was changing. They knew gas economy was changing and stuff. And they rushed like heck to build that car. And that just shows you what can be done when you put your mind to it. Just can't, I can't bring one home. I, I don't think I'd fit in the garage. First <laughs> <of> <laughs> and I think it looked a little weird next to the Ford GT. Yeah, yeah, it might. But, you know, that's why I love about this question is I sometimes get very surprising answers. And you completely okay. surprised me today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Stephen, you've taken us on a great ride. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars audience. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Plymouth Superbird? (laughs) Oh, my God. Now I'm going to really get hammered. (laughs) Beep, beep, horn. It's got to have the beep, beep, horn. Beep, beep. Yeah, yeah. Beep, beep. (laughs) Go Um, Roadrunner. I think that the parting thing would be is people like you and I are accessible. People like Elon Musk are accessible. If you have the drive and the determination, you can make things happen. And don't be afraid to call me or email me to talk about cars, even things that I don't know about. I I tell people, look, if I don't know, I'll find the answer. I'll find out what's going on with it. And so I really think that that's what is important. Ask questions, talk to people, and you can never gain, you can never get too much knowledge. You're learning every day. Well, it's very very nice of you. And if you're a nine-year-old listener out there, hey, go for it. Contact Stephen. You never know where it may lead. 
a life of playing and selling and business and cars. Absolutely brilliant. Love that story. What's the best way for our listeners if they want to reach out to you to find you? They can find me uh, on the uh, on the website, beckerautomotivegroup.com. They can send me an email through there and they can also call me on my cell at 770-900-5532. And I'm happy to take phone calls and you know there, there is no dumb question. There you go. Listeners, again, you can find all these great links on Stephen's show notes page on the Car Show website. Boy, what an invitation uh, to uh, tap into a brain trust here of a lifetime of being around cars. Stephen, this has been a delight. Thank you for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Perfect. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.